You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, Episode 5, Lessons from Ayahuasca. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Hello, everyone. We are happy to have you here, and we are happy to be back. It's been a while. What's going on, everyone? We had a little hiccup along the way, got a few things stolen, including our computer. So, this makes podcast recording a little bit more difficult. But we're making it work. We're going to make it work. And so we apologize ahead of time if the audio quality of this episode is not up to par. Um, we're dealing, we're, we're doing the best with what we have. So we're going to do whatever we can to make this a pleasant listening experience for you. But just be patient with us. So this episode, I know a lot of our listeners are looking forward to this one in particular, Lessons from Ayahuasca. In this episode, we are going to be covering our own personal experiences with the medicine because we have finally partake we have finally taken our first ayahuasca healing medicine. How many days now has it been? Oh, I've lost, lost, track, of lost track of the days here. I think it's been about four days. Four days. Three days. It's uh feels good to be back. Feels good to be back. Especially um. <laughs> with a new uh, new frame of mind. That's a, that's a good way to put it. So we will be sharing our personal experiences with you, as well as also giving you a little bit of cultural exchange um, about the shamanic lifestyle that we were able to see for the, it was a little, about 24 hours we spent with them, which was really nice. We learned a lot. Um, now, if you don't know what ayahuasca is, because you haven't been wa- listening to our podcast. Check I, out episode four. Yes, please, go back. Don't even listen to this yet. Go back to episode four and listen. It's going to give you the whole background on ayahuasca. We teach you about what it does, why you do it, and how you feel when you do it, and the role that it plays in indigenous communities. And you'll also get to listen to a nice little interview with a Colombian man about how ayahuasca has transformed his life for the better. So... Where to begin? This is this is a lot of information that we're going to try to give to you. So, well, I think we could start in the beginning of the day, um, from I guess start to finish. So we were in Banos, Ecuador, which is a beautiful uh, mountainous region in Ecuador. Uh, it's full of waterfalls, rivers. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Thermal baths. Thermal everything. baths, which was amazing. We did that. Um, so, and we actually had to travel about an hour and a half to two hours uh, to Puyo, which is a small town on the edge of the Amazon. Yeah, and our actual ceremony took place about an, I don't know, maybe thirty minutes outside of Puyo on the edge of the forest. We were a little disappointed with that because we thought we were going to get to have the experience inside the jungle a little deeper, where all you could hear were the sounds of the jungle. However, they were renovating their usual space, so we had to we had to um, go to a different place um, that was unfortunately not as quiet. Even the shamans felt really bad about that. But we'll explain that a little later when it comes when we go into our personal experience. And we're gonna have plenty of time in the jungle since we'll be heading there in two weeks. 
Absolutely. But anyway, so uh, to start the day, we got to um, the ceremony place um, right about 12, 1 o'clock. A tiny little community. Uh, it was really interesting because the community, the energy was different. Everybody was a lot more patient, it seemed, and calm. Um, the children seemed wiser. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Those kids were amazing. I could hang out with them all day every day <laughs> just you know the holistic world is their world and it's not voodoo magic it's not weird stuff like some hippy dippy thing to talk about it's their lifestyle you have generations after generations of people learning how to make different plant medicines and they they take it seriously very seriously the plants have spirit to them and they listen so Flavio who was one of uh one of two shamans that were with us. It was actually um, Flavio was the son of Elder Flavio. Um, and both of them were uh, in the ceremony with us, um, conducting the ceremony, I guess, mm -hmm. and making sure that we were all right. But um, the younger Flavio actually took us into the forest and introduced us to several plants various plants various every he he gave us a lot of information about different plants that they use for teas and why what the use is for different plants for their dietas which sh that's what the shamans call whenever they're under an apprenticeship to become a shaman um, they have to follow a certain dieta and that means they're only allowed to eat certain things for a certain amount of time there they have to it's a very strict schedule that they have to follow so we got to kind of have a peek inside um, a typical dieta for someone apprenticing to become a shaman which is very interesting there's and of course every shaman teaches differently and every indigenous culture does things differently so the information we're giving you is a cross between I think they their families from two different indigenous tribes um, That's correct. From Peru and also from here, Ecuador. Yeah, from Ecuador. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got, had a nice little melting pot of culture that we got to experience. So what amazed me, I think most, I mean, besides the plants and the healing powers of all the plants around us, I mean, every single plant you can pick up and use, uh, whether it's in a tea, um, on your skin, on your skin. Uh, for your food they're all for medicinal purposes and for him to take us into the jungle and show us all these plants and to know what every single plant was and what it did mm -hmm. was absolutely incredible sure he's been doing this since he's been a young boy he's been taught i mean it's it carries on from generation to generation so you're taught by your father your father teaches you so on and so on um but it, the amount of knowledge this man had blew me away especially because they all come with certain rituals for example there's one plant they call it the natural vaccine uh, the mother and baby has to they have to be part of a certain ritual at exactly three o'clock in the morning um, they do certain things to prepare the plant in the way that they need to take it um, but what that is is on a spiritual level it allows the seed of spirituality to grow and it maintains it throughout someone's life as they age. Something that our shaman told us we do not clearly have in the United States. 
Um, and it's also, well, the reason they call it a natural vaccine is it keeps them from getting sick, uh, which is pretty interesting because these are people who are very healthy people. And they, for example, his mom was like 80 years old. She's had 15 kids. Doesn't look, 15. Doesn't look like it. She's never been sick a day in her life except for, you know, the random occasional thing. But, you know, it's, they all, all of these plants have their ritual and they know exactly what to do and it's just so cool to see that culture because we we lack that in the states there's nothing to really pass down i mean except for maybe like grandma's cherry pie recipe which is wonderful don't get me wrong i'm not undermining the power of that but i don't know this was a different world for me and it was it was very cool to be experiencing it firsthand rather than just watching it on Discovery Channel. <laughs> we were exposed to everything. I mean, we were um, exposed. So his son, um, Flavio's son, so there's th we were with three generations. Mm -hmm. And his son was working under him. He's about 14 years old. He's 14 years old. He's taken ayahuasca six times. Mm -hmm. um, I think this might have been his seventh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his son is learning everything that we were learning but obviously he knows a lot more at this point of his life um and which is incredibly knowledgeable mm -hmm. and these plants again just to you know show you how powerful they are they not only work on these let's say spiritual level emotional level or physical they work on all three mm -hmm. simultaneously mm -hmm. which is amazing absolutely absolutely and we it was just really cool. He, As we're going through talking about the plants, he's also sharing with us folklore and mythologies about how these plants came to be. And they really hold women to high regards in their culture. Um, I guess Flavia, one of the things he kept um, saying to us was that in the beginning of, they call it in the beginning of creation, but, you know, you can take stories like this you know, go, you, you find the uh, symbolism behind it and the metaphors to apply it to daily life. But he talks about how women were actually the ones who found all these, well, they were, they used these plants to help heal the men. Um, but then they realized, the men realized that the women needed it as well. And so it was kind of an interesting balance of masculinity and femininity. Um, but all of the plants that he would tell us about, he's like, yeah, and then the woman found this for this use, and then it became this, you know, and there's like these crazy stories behind it. But if it's not all about the woman finding it, it's also about the grandfather spirits or the grandmother spirits of the animals and the plants communicating with these people to discover these plants, generally under the influence of magical mushrooms. <laughs> For example, that was one of the legends of how ayahuasca was found, was that um, certain animal spirits, which they, they believe that their ancestors, they believe that the animals have the spirit of their ancestors. So whenever, you know, they say maybe abuelo, tortuga, you know, that's grandfather's spirit, you know, of the turtle, but they believe that it was once an ancestor of theirs. So... They have this very close relationship with nature, and they listen to nature. Um, and I think, just briefly, the story of ayahuasca was some man was told by grandfather, I can't remember which animal, to go to this edge of this 
like cliff and look out and try to find these plants and when he does get there there's mushrooms growing and he's instructed to eat the mushrooms and he ends up having this really crazy psychedelic experience that um, allows him to find these plants and then he ended up having to make a sacrifice using like the eyes and the heart of an eagle and also himself to mix and do this crazy stuff and next thing you know <laughs> ayahuasca is born <laughs> but <laughs> that's just like a recap of course, every culture is going to have their own story, but it was really cool to listen to this. And I think uh, one other important thing to note before we get into the ceremonial rituals that we're going to talk about. Um, so Flavio was involved in the 90s in a battle with several oil companies. Um, well, the oil companies were causing issues and the military wanted to take the land from the indigenous they were accusing them of being drunkards and drug traffickers and basically the same old, same old that you've heard with every native culture and how we've really just kind of robbed it, their culture away from them. So the oil companies, for those of you that don't know this, there's a, several oil companies within Ecuador alone that are drilling within the Amazon to get oil. And a lot of this has destroyed the Amazon and also separated a lot of the families and the tribes that reside within the Amazon. So a lot of the tribesmen that he possibly knew before that have had to move elsewhere. So it's hard for them to keep in contact. So it's kind of separated them. Um, One of the things that really hit me was he had said in the beginning of time, we'll go back, every time it's in the beginning of creation, that's just the way they like to start it, um, that the tribes, there were no tribes, that they considered each other to be one. And I thought that was really symbolic um, how tolerant they were of differences because obviously the Amazon is a giant place and so obviously there are different cultures and languages and places but they considered each other to be one until the pipelines came through in the developed age and literally segregated them and divided everybody up and that caused a division between people and now you see issues with that possibly but it really just kind of made me I felt guilty I felt guilty for coming from a culture that cared more about money than about humanity but anyway, we're we're do, we're we're in this world now, so we kind of have to go with it. But where did we leave off? Well, let's talk about the ceremonial rituals. So to begin, and before we were able to take ayahuasca, so we actually uh, took ayahuasca around eight thirty at night. But beforehand, all day we had to drink tea. Wayusa uh, tea. Wayusa tea, which is another amazing plant um, but it stimulates um, you and gives you energy clean smooth energy but not the jittery type when you drink a cup of coffee and you feel good for a couple hours and you crash it sustains your energy for over a long period of time so previous to this we had to fast for 24 hours um, to make sure we had no food in our system mm -hmm. um, you also had to make sure that we hadn't within the past 72 hours we had to refrain from anything acidic like lemons limes oranges pineapples uh, too much salt too much oil meat of course which we already don't eat but 
that was on the list of things to avoid. Dairy, what it, else? It was, a, it was a lot of things. It was very uh, strict diet. So um, we had to do that, and then we had to fast for 24 hours. So, so you can imagine um, fasting for 24 hours, you can become a little tired. You don't have any food uh, to work off of. Your system does not. So we were drinking this tea beforehand. So we drank tea all day. And then around 5 o'clock, 5.30 is when we did the tobacco. Which the tobacco is really cool. So when he was talking to us in the Maloka, the Maloka is um, a healing hut. Imagine you're inside a hut, a circular hut, and in the middle is a fire pit. Um, there were spears guarding around the back end of it with, uh, this was a kind of strange, a monkey's head, like a skull, a monkey skull um, on one of the spears. They all have different symbolic meanings. Nothing in this culture is a waste of space or time. Everything has a meaning. They do everything with purpose, regardless of whether you think it has anything true to it or not. It's all done with purpose. Um, but anyway, and then hanging around all the walls, you have different drums, different um, pictures, different instruments, um, skins of certain animals to provide certain spiritual guidance. Uh, and then we have our mattresses set up along the edge of the circle, placed delicately. He put us, he put us each in a certain spot on purpose, I think. Um, and we're drinking the tea, sharing stories, talking about ayahuasca and other things. But he br brings out this little tube wrapped in somewhat it was kind of like twine uh and he starts he unwraps some of it and cuts it up and it was tobacco leaves and he starts telling us of course mythologies about tobacco and things of that sort but then he takes a little plate um and puts it on top of a small fire in the middle of the hut and heats up the leaves and he tells us it's to kill microorganisms um, because we would be snorting it and he said you don't want that in your brain no we don't <laughs> So after he heats up the leaves on the fire and kills anything on the outside, he then combines it in a tiny little dish that they carve out of fruits from the trees. I forget the name of the fruits, um, but it's like a hard shell. Uh, and then he pours the Wayusa, the hot boiling water from the Wayusa tea in with it and starts to mash it with his thumb until it secretes the tobacco liquid. So that's what was actually put up our nose. And it was very interesting how they created that. Um, but he took us outside and drew a circle in the dirt and had us kneel down in front of him. And he would do a cleansing really quickly, an energetic cleansing, and then drip some of the liquid into our nose. <laughs> and at that point, uh, well, first of all, I would have never thought to do this on my own, clearly because I didn't know the meaning behind it and everything. But what it does, it actually uh, gets your system used to um, feeling a certain way before you do ayahuasca. Your senses are very heightened. Colors are extremely bright. And, I mean, sounds, everything. All your senses are very heightened. Um, you can get quite dizzy, as Sarah did. I ended up throwing up almost immediately. He told me, though, he said, that's okay. He said, very sensitive people are very spiritual. <laughs> so I took it as a compliment, but I was vomiting while everyone else seemed to be fine. And then one of the other girls, she got sick as well. So we did that, 
and um, that was about five o'clock, five thirty. So we still had about three hours before our ceremony. But you know, before the hand, you're feeling these. Like at least I was. I had butterflies in my stomach, and oh yeah, you just you don't know what to expect. So you're waiting around, and you're just kind of hanging out, talking to everybody. But in your own mind, you're thinking, oh man, you know, just like really trying to prepare yourself for this moment. So. 8.30 comes along, and here we are. And his wonderful father comes into the hut and joins us. He's about 80 years old, looks like he's 50. He's full of life. He's apparently a really well-known shaman in the area and is considered to be one of the best. Um, they, I just found out afterwards that he was actually in a documentary about um, shamanism, which is really cool. I don't think it's a very famous documentary. I believe a Canadian couple came down to live with them for a little while and filmed it. Um, Just say that these two men, both Flavios, they're very well respected um, in this area yes. of Ecuador. Very, very well respected. And so the elder Flavio, we'll call him the eldest shaman, comes in and starts to kind of give us a rundown about what he's there for and how they'll be taking the medicine with us because in that state he can see energetically our blockages and what we need to be fixed um, as well as help navigate our journey if we need their help. So we became very comfortable with him. He was wearing um, this really intense uh, tiger. It was, like, it, it was like a tie but it was made out of beads and it was very bright colors and it was this really intense tiger face just staring at you and he had this giant um, macaw feather headband around his head, headdress I guess you would call it, and this feather reached probably two feet above his <laughs> it's head. It's enormous. It's enormous. <laughs> um, and Flavio just wore his son, the middle-aged shaman, because then we have the youngest one who's apprenticing. Flavio was just wearing regular old clothes, um, but I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, some people just expect when they hear the word shaman, they think they're <laughs> totally decked out in, like, indigenous wear, and that's not always the case. So, let's give you the juicy details here. Yeah, now you want to know what we experienced. So I was the first one to take the dose, and actually, well, besides the elder shaman, he took the dose first and then called me forward. I kind of meditated on the cup a little bit, tried to calm my nerves. He did his thing with the medicine as well before he gave it to me. I took it, and I the best way to describe it was a cross between dirt, cacao, like pure chocolate, like dark chocolate, and coffee, but the most bitter coffee you've ever tasted. It was all of that in one. It wasn't very hard for me to get it down. The problem was, was my stomach was empty for 24 hours and it was already super sensitive from the tobacco. So I, probably within two minutes, I already felt the urge to vomit, which they had told us before to vomit at the fire pit because what happens is these little mushrooms grow in the dirt where you vomit and they, they say that that's representative of all of the um, negative things you needed to dispose of from yourself energetically. Let's think about that for a second. Hold <laughs> on. After you vomit, mushrooms grow the next day mm -hmm. by the fireplace. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Little tiny gray mushrooms. Um, what? <laughs> 
So, you know, they told me it was okay if I needed to throw up already. But I, I knew that was going to affect my absorption. Um, so because I wasn't able to absorb all of the ayahuasca into my stomach because I vomited so quickly, I didn't get the same effects that Christopher did. Um, not at all. But at the same time, this is strange, ayahuasca has a spirit of its own. And it gives you what you need in that moment. And clearly I needed a physical cleansing because mine was more of a physical experience. And the vomiting, it was the harshest vomiting you'd ever experience. I mean, it hurts. It feels like your stomach's about to come out of your mouth. But afterwards, I felt so good. Just like this weight was lifted off my shoulder. I just, I was calm. I felt just really at peace. And... My almost immediately the physical effects set in for me. I, I, I started to feel like I was expanding, not expanding and contracting, but expanding just infinitely. And if I would close my eyes, I would start to forget the boundaries of where my body ends and where space or other things begin. And it was, it wasn't very intrusive though it was very smooth it wasn't I wasn't losing my identity by any means I could open my eyes and see myself I could see everybody else you know there was a haze um, on everything and for the first 20 minutes they left the light on and after 20 minutes they turn off the light and the fire in the middle they don't actually have as a roaring flame they keep it as like glowing embers so you're in darkness but with a tiny bit of light coming from the cracks of the doors and you know the embers of the fire but it just I remember feeling so good and I had my legs crossed and my eyes closed most of the time and I could feel my energetic centers of my body I could I was starting to feel my hands going towards you know different parts of me I remember my left hand being on my heart and my right hand being on my forehead and just feeling how good that felt and I can't really explain it it's just this energetic comfort I was moving along the meridians of my body and just feeling how alive I was and I I came to this conclusion like how funny that we are in these bodies like this is not me these body this body is not me it's my vessel and you feel that at that moment um, I wasn't experiencing any visuals at this point, but like I said, my eyes were mostly closed and just I was enjoying that expansion, that peace, that just wonderful feeling of, it was, it was like a really extended meditation, so to speak. Um, and at this point, the eldest shaman was giving what they called limpiezas, which it's like cleansings to everyone in the room. He had started on the third generation Flavio, I don't think his name's Flavio, but we'll call him that, um, gave him a cleansing. And keep in mind, the shaman, is on, he's on another level. And this whole time, he has himself on this loop, making the craziest sounds. He would make this like really large yawning sound. You can't even like, attempt to do it. <laughs> and then like a growling and like a, he would spit, almost like he was absorbing the energies, feeling them, and then discarding them somewhere else. Um, he was making other sounds as well that I can't mimic, but it was on a loop. It was like, it, it puts you in a trance, and I felt that way while the medicine set in with me. 
Um, there were a couple other people around us that were vomiting. We had, we had two other girls with us in the ceremony. They were vomiting at this point, which is normal. Christopher was not able to actually throw up until later that night. And that's, so he ended up absorbing everything, which will explain how crazy that was. Um, so I ended up receiving a limpieza from the eldest shaman that was everything I needed. He did a lot of energy work on me at that time. Um, he could see things. He knew what was going on. He, I, I can't, he told me something interesting. He told me that he saw me wearing a mask, like a sieve, like something with holes in it, and that it could be taken off once in a while, and that it's been there since childhood. And I'm still um, processing that. I I think he was definitely talking about my, I don't know, I guess throughout my childhood and growing up, I've kind of covered my whole truth. Um, for most of my life, I haven't displayed my full self to majority of people. Um, and there were often times growing up that I would assume a role that wasn't really actually me. You know, I would pretend to be interested in something else, or I would genuinely trick myself into thinking I was interested in this stuff so that I could get along with certain people that are. And that was just, you know, little things that don't really matter. Um, and just not really knowing how to really fully display my, my genuine self. And he told me that he was going to relieve that from me, that he was going to take that mask off. Um, and just, there was a lot of stuff, physical things that I needed worked on. He gave me an entire full body cleansing. He spent a very long time on me, which I guess I needed. Um, I'm assuming he saw what had happened in my past, and we spoke about that the next day. But one of my favorite things was when I asked him if he saw what happened in my past. During the clean cleaning, he said to me in Spanish, he said that... The past doesn't matter right now. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was a nice reminder. Um, but at this point, my my physical sensations sort of disappeared. Um, Christopher was on another level, and I think that I needed to energetically balance him out, you know, kind of be that earthly root as he explored the cosmos because he was... Definitely, at some point, he called out for me, so he needed that presence. Um, and we'll go into more detail about Chris's experience after I'm finished with this. So I ended up taking another dose of the medicine about an hour and a half in, because I wasn't really feeling much of anything anymore, just really at peace, you know, calm, sleepy. I took another dose, and once again, I was only able to keep it down for a few minutes. I tried really hard, but it was just so harsh on my stomach. And I ended up throwing up violently once again, which I needed. Um, and this time I actually started to get visuals. This time I would close my eyes and I would see geometrical patterns, sort of like fractals, like I was diving into it infinitely. Um, and it wasn't too intense. My body, of course, started to disappear. You lose that ego, which is really liberating for me. I, I enjoy that feeling. Um, and this was where I just started to get knowledge, like philosophical thoughts, I suppose, and one of them kind of makes me laugh <laughs> because, well, one, one of them, I talked to my liver, which was really weird. I, for some reason, my, I asked my, I don't know why, but I asked my liver <laughs> what it feels like 
and this is sad, it might sound really strange to people, but for someone healing themselves on a physical level, you need to know what your organs feel like. And I had asked it what it felt like. And in another voice, it wasn't my voice. It was a different voice that said, you know, you really did a number on me. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. I remember laughing out loud. And I said to it inside, I said, I'm so sorry. I know I did all those years that I just destroyed you. And I'm trying to make it up to you. And I would, the liver, my liver, or the voice of my liver, was about to comment back. But then I became distracted by outside noise. So... Unfortunately, because we were not in the jungle, just on the edge of it, there were people around us, and these people were blaring music. It was so loud, disruptingly loud. And every time I would feel like I was about to come to like some really crazy conclusion about something or see something really incredible, I would get distracted by the music outside or the people around outside talking or you know and it was just really kind so of this is later in the night so i would say about three hours of our um session was done in in silence and then this is towards the end of yeah. our yeah this was about halfway through because like i said i had to take a second dose um and it really frustrated me because i felt like i was about to have this really profound conversation with my liver and like figure shit out about my illnesses and how to heal them which is, that was my intention of going into ayahuasca for the first time. And then I was distracted. So I found myself becoming frustrated for a little while about the music. And I tried to calm myself of this, but it kept coming up. It kept getting irritated, irritated, irritated. And then the more irritated I became, the less I was feeling of the medicine. And I realized the correlation between the two. And then I thought... One, how egotistical and selfish of me to expect the rest of the world to be quiet so that I can self-reflect. And I thought that was kind of funny. I started laughing and I thought, you know, I should be able to transcend that and go within no matter what's happening around me. And of course, I, I applied that to real life, you know, as well, like, you know, we give ourselves excuses all the time not to meditate, not to be still, because there's too many distractions. But part of meditation is to be still within the noise of everything else. Um, and I also realized, number two, that the noise around me and the irritation of the noise around me was a reflection of the state of my mind and how it had been for the past like nine months. Usually I'm a pretty inward type person. It's not hard for me to meditate or be still or quiet, but the past eight or nine months have been really hectic for us. And, you know, between wedding planning, business planning, getting married, you know, working and trying to maintain other aspects of your lives, you, you get overwhelmed sometimes. And I got a little burnt out, I think and lost a lot of my connection. I fell out of my meditation practice. I fell out of my yoga practice. And I have been seeing immediate effects of stress because of that. And it's not, it's not a world that I'm really used to, stress. So it was sort of like this, like it was like Mother Ayahuasca reminded me, like, you know, this is all you. 
So if you want the outside to change, you have to change the inside. And I realized, oh shit, I gotta go back to my meditation. Like, duh, that's obvious. Um, I had a, quite a few profound realizations. I don't know if other people would consider them profound, but I do. <laughs> and at the moment especially, it seemed very profound. Um, I did get to feel the presence of someone who's no longer alive. I won't go into too much detail because for their family's sake, um, but he, he was there. He's someone that's been in my life for about four or five years now, maybe a little longer, uh, six years maybe. And he's, he's, I'm, what I'm trying to say is he's deceased. He's no longer here, but I've, I've, I've had many dreams with him. Um, he's come up in many readings with mediums and psychics. He's apparently a protector of mine. And I saw him there. He came up to me very quickly, kneeled down next to me, put his hands on my shoulders as if he was consoling me. And then, of course, the music started and I lost it. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I'm like, come on. This is the point of ayahuasca. And... Um, I lost it though and I realized I just needed to take it for what it was and be okay with what the medicine was in that moment and realize that for me it was more of a physical experience and that I can always do it again and try to go further into my psyche, hopefully in a place that's a little more quiet. Um, but this whole time, Christopher <laughs> was on his own journey. Why don't you tell him a little bit about that? Well, oh man, it's going to be hard to articulate all of the information that I received um, and get into all the details, but I will highlight the most important parts of my ayahuasca experience, and hopefully some of you can relate to some of the things that I was going through, but when I, had, I was the second to take the cup, and I went back to the mattress, and I sat down and just kind of focused as much as I possibly could, um, focusing on the present moment, focusing on myself, and focusing on the intentions that I wanted out of the session. Well, the intentions that I wanted out of the, the session uh, no longer mattered after about 30 minutes because <laughs> I was gone. I was not in this physical plane, if you want to call it the third dimension, whatever you want to call it. And expectations for a ceremony such as ayahuasca we all go into it with expectations oh that's another thing continue that was another realization i had but, but we don't always get what we want um we get what we need mm -hmm. and so about 35 minutes go by not feeling really too dizzy like a lot of people said they you get dizzy and throw up and so I'm stomaching all of the ayahuasca, and <laughs> the lights turn off. And this is when the magic begins. <laughs> uh, I close my eyes, and all of a sudden, I am spinning around this. Let's, let's use a really easy example. For those of you that know what Wheel of Fortune is, or any sort of game show like that where they the spin a wheel, uh, price is right, whatever, it was like I was on a wheel spinning around and around and as it's starting to stop it starts to click like the wheel 
so click 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 and then it stops and it stops on a Native American which I thought was extremely profound and interesting because this Native American I've gone to several psychics um, he's come up in dreams um, crazy enough he's come up and I was told to get him on my left arm as a tattoo um, and from what I've been told is that he's my spirit guide. He's the one that's watching over me, one of many spirit guides. And he showed himself to me, which was, I think, very interesting to begin the session because I think that was to help to comfort me, to help to show me that, hey, like, I'm not going to die here. Like, this is a temporary state that I'm in, but to show me that I'm okay. And so after him came up a tiger, which was really interesting. I'm still really... A lot of animals come up in ayahuasca. Um, you experience a lot of visions with animals or even feelings with animals. Um, and a tiger had come up um, second. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I've got to look into the symbolism of tigers. But anyways, after that, it was really difficult for me to let go. Um, for those that know me, I'm very left brain, um, and I'm also very grounded to the earth. Um, I, Sarah and I complement each other perfectly because she's more... In the clouds. In the clouds, right brain, and she helps me to reach those levels, and I'm more earth energy and grounded, and, and so that's where the ego comes in. And my identity, who I was, Christopher Wilson... You know, it was, I wasn't able to let go of that. It was, I'm secure in that sense, I guess, of feeling this earth energy. And it was really difficult for me to let go. However, I had a decision to make. Either I was going to let go or I was going to struggle the whole night. I was going to struggle and fight the medicine and do all that and that that just didn't make sense although it was really difficult for me it took me a little while to really finally let go I mean it was till your second cup yeah um but in between then I was having some extraordinary uh visions and realizations so the one major realization well first of all let me back up for a second a lot of fears and insecurities came up in my visions um and they weren't just visions, they were also feelings. But some of the insecurities that I've held on to for a very long time, a lot of the self-doubt um, that I've had about myself and my abilities, um, although I've been told, you know, I could do this, this, and that, I've had a lot of self-doubt on maybe how I can really get those done. And a lot of those types of realizations were coming up, and I was very, very expressive of those feelings to, to, to Sarah and uh, supposedly the rest of the group because I didn't know how loud I was being. It was very loud. <laughs> um, so I guess everybody else can hear me. But um, I really needed to get those out. It was a cleansing of some sort where I really, really needed to release those and get rid of them. And I came to the conclusion that fears and insecurities are illusions that can only thrive in the confines of the thinking mind. So what do I mean by that? In the confines of the thinking mind. 
Well, we're constantly thinking like this monkey brain, you know, we're constantly thinking about what's tomorrow, what's what happened yesterday and everything. And we don't always focus on the present moment. And with when we're thinking about tomorrow, when we're thinking about yesterday, we're if, especially if we're thinking about yesterday, we're thinking about all the things we could have done better, all the things that we did wrong, but and that we feel bad about. And so these things are constantly coming up and they create this animal of some sort. They create these insecurities and these fears that just burn deep inside of you. And when that's taking place for so many years, it's so hard to relearn anything different. So you're constantly feeling these things, but you also want to release them, but you don't know how. So what mother taught me, mother ayahuasca, that is, taught me was that you know, let's start focusing on being completely present at all times. And how do we go about doing that? That's meditation. That's kundalini yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I have to interrupt here for a minute because this is hilarious. <laughs> After my second cup, and I'm actually having some visuals and I'm feeling even more expansive than ever before. Um, it's, it's a very restless, sleepy, a restless, sleepy type feeling, which is a contradiction, but you feel so heavy and like you just want to go to bed, but at the same time your heart is hammering and you're, you're moving around a lot to try to get comfortable. Well, I'm going back and forth trying to get cozy and I finally decide I'm just going to plop down next to Chris under my sleeping bag even though I was hot, I had my sleeping bag and my fleece jacket over me because it felt comfortable. And I'm somewhat meditating. And for some reason, I was I couldn't stop yawning. I yawned like 150 times in a row. It was really which, trippy. Which everybody could hear. But I lay next to Chris and all of a sudden he goes, Kundalini. <laughs> and I start laughing because I'm like, oh, he must be kind of coming off of his thing. He's just joking around with me. But no, he was still very much in the clouds. He goes, Kundalini yoga is <laughs> good for you. And I was like, what is happening? I think I was channeling another beam. I don't know what was happening. And I'm just cracking up because he wouldn't just stop going Kundalini in this really strange accent. And super loud, too. I'm sure the other people in the room were like, what the hell? But anyway, continue. You were saying good ways to calm your mind and live in the present. So the meditation and kundalini kept coming up for me. And it was several times throughout the session. And, you know, although we've had a meditation practice, it hasn't been consistent, like Sarah said. So we need to get back to that. And that was one way. And, and my spirit guide's mother, Ayahuasca, came to me in a meeting of some sort and said, listen, if you put in the work and you start doing this for yourself, we will keep working for you. Not that they're going to stop, but the, they say that the medicine continues to work for several months after you actually take it. So if I was going to put in the work and actually meditate and do those things, that I would see these incredible benefits, healing benefits, um, you know, even after ayahuasca was over. Which, you know, I believe because... I used to have quite a few out-of-body experiences, um, particularly astral projection experiences during um, the nighttime, uh, up until about February. And for some reason, all of that abruptly stopped. And I noticed that my meditation practice also suffered, because like I said, we were really busy. 
Um, so my astral projection experiences, everything just kind of halted. Um, and after ayahuasca, of course, because I had the same realization that I need to get back into my meditation just as strongly as I was before and just as dedicated, um, last night we did our first meditation session since then, and during my dream I had an astral projection experience. So it's it's interesting how the medicine does continue to work on your psyche as you progress. Yeah, and... The other thing, too, was that I wanted to touch on was a lot of the emotions that I, I do feel a lot of times, um, you know, I am not, and I always, I haven't been the most patient person. And for me, I've struggled with the lesson of patience. And this is a valuable lesson for me to learn um, in order for me to relieve some frustration that I, that I tend to get or anger that I tend to get once in a while if I'm very frustrated. So I had to really learn that. And I was noticing that if I judge myself of all these things, that, you know, these judgments are only really like, what am I trying to say here? It's really difficult to word this. It's really ineffable. But... Basically, a lot of these emotions that I've been feeling are because that I'm projecting these. So, for example, I'm looking in the mirror, not only at myself, but I'm, if I like interact with people during the day, which I do every day, and they're projecting some sort of frustration, that's what's basically occurring in my mind. Does that make sense? So to- I think what you're trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, is that when you feel frustrated towards someone, they're getting on your nerves, you're feeling angry and frustrated, it's actually you... Oh, wow, this is hard to word. It's 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 not um, a reflection of what they are doing, but rather a reflection of some sort of instability you're feeling in that moment. Correct. It's a, it's a reflection of how we're feeling, possibly even subconsciously. Right. So it's not, you know, like, for example the loud people on the bus talking and laughing the whole time behind us, you know, your frustration towards them was really much deeply rooted than just the fact that they were being loud. You know, it's, you're projecting something onto them. Exactly. So this was a really um, big lesson for me to learn. And I mean, I'm so grateful for these lessons and I come out of it. You know, we can think about these things on a day-to-day basis, but when we have time to reflect on these things like you do during an ayahuasca session, it really helps to transform you in a way that's extremely beneficial. Um, So with that being said, I mean, I can go on and on about the visions and things like that, but those are the most important things, I think. Um, And on a a lighter note here, I want to talk about uh, the vision of uh, Kaya. Oh, yeah. So this was before I took my second cup, so I was feeling very earthly grounded at this point, um, sort of just meditating next to Christopher while he flopped around like a fish out of water. He couldn't stay still. Back and forth from the fire pit to the mattress to the fire pit to the mattress, flopping around on his stomach, then his back, then his side, then his stomach. Um, you could hear him just like taking deep breaths and letting them all out. and just I let him do his thing. Um, I didn't try to console him because I didn't want to interrupt his experience you know sometimes you just gotta let each other do their thing 
um, until he goes, Sarah. And so I reached my hand out and put my hand on his back and it calmed him immediately, it seemed. And then suddenly he goes really loud, Kaya, 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 get over here, Kaya. Now, for those of you who don't know, we have decided that when we do have children, we're going to name our girl uh, Kaya Sage. And Kaya has been coming up to us a lot, especially lately. After two weeks of knowing Christopher, I had a dream. Two weeks of knowing him, I had a dream about her. I saw us in the future playing in a lake and I can tell you exactly what she looks like around the age of four and five. I've also had a dream with her around the age 13. I can tell you exactly what she looks like then. Christopher's had dreams of her. We've had multiple mediums and psychics talk about how she's coming sooner than later. Um, and the question was always just when. Well, I hear him say this, and so I decided to interact at this point. I said, is she here? And he said, she's here. And I said, what does she look like? He told me about how she has green eyes like the both of us and how her hair's brown but not really dark but not really light either, kind of in between. And I said I couldn't help it. I had to ask because at this point you're sort of like a psychic at this point. I said, when is she coming? And he goes, without even skipping a beat, doesn't even think, says two weeks after the jungle. Now, that's interesting. I know he's referring to the jungle in Peru. We'll be we'll be in the jungle from December until March. Now, that would mean around two weeks after, sometime in March, that maybe she would be conceived. But we'll see what happens. We're not planning anything, but I thought that was a very interesting vision for him to have out of nowhere, especially because it was when I put my hand on him. So uh, that's really, um, I guess, concludes what we're, uh, what we wanted to talk about. I mean, now it's just applying a lot of the lessons, at least for myself, that I had um, to everyday life mm -hmm. and not forgetting that because we can easily forget these things, but I think it's really important to always be in some sort of reflection mm -hmm. of what you've learned and then go out and apply these things. Something I thought was really cool about the experience, for those of you who are considering coming to the jungle to partake in an ayahuasca experience, is very important to make sure you're with a group that you trust and feel comfortable with energetically. We got lucky. The two girls that were with us ended up being really cool. Um, but something that I really noticed was during one of my reflections while I was, you know, having my journey... Because I was wondering, I'm like, you know, I was so, I was surprised that I wasn't having the celestial, you know, cosmic experience that Chris was having. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised because I knew that I needed this physical cleansing. And then I thought, because I was sitting there listening to the room, and one of the girls, she was just, almost the whole night, she was dry heaving and puking here and there. Um, but you could just hear all of this like anxiety and torment just come out of her soul. It was like she wasn't just dry heaving. It was it was she was releasing a lot of things. And the other girl, I hadn't even heard the entire night. I think she moved from her spot one time, um, and that was to get up to do the limpieza. And she needed help to walk over there, and she threw up like once or twice, and then that was it. And so I knew she was in the stars completely, but very quietly so. 
And then Chris, of course, was in the stars, but very, um, you could tell that his... Expressive. Very <laughs> expressive, and his ego was still desperately trying to hold on. And then me, just having my normal physical experience, feeling like I just smoked a lot of weed and was meditating for hours. Um, and I thought at this point, I realized all of us were this puzzle piece. And now this isn't just in the ayahuasca ceremony. This can be related to real world too, but... All of us were this very important puzzle piece to this giant picture and that anything I needed to be done through that ceremony, it didn't matter that it wasn't happening to me directly because the rest of the puzzle pieces, Chris and the other two girls, were experiencing different parts of that puzzle that I also needed to be experienced and they were really just an extension of me and me an extension of them. Which, you know, you always hear that phrase, we are one, we are all one, we are, you know, there's no difference between you and I. And we can say that all we want, but Mother Ayahuasca really shows you what that feels like. And I realized that the girl who was vomiting or dispensing all of her demons was doing that for me. And I was having that pleasant, meditative, zen, very calm and peaceful philosophical moment for her because she clearly wasn't having that and the other girl was dealing with something much greater that I needed to deal with but through her and Chris was once again another extension and so to me it was really kind of cool because instead of being disappointed that I didn't have that cosmic experience you know from a very third eye perspective I was calm and realized that everybody was taking care of each other. And that's what we do in real life. Everybody is an extension of ourselves. And whatever experience you don't get to have, there's someone out there experiencing that. And so you can tap into that collective consciousness at any time and experience it as if it were you. But I don't know. There's just kind of a lesson on wanting to have something that you don't, which is really interesting. But, man, I think we're, uh, <laughs> I think we're good. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on. I mean, if there is, then I'll, I'll write about it and, um, share it with everybody via social media. But I really feel, um, grateful for this experience. I'm really happy that we were able to do this. Um, I'm sure it's not going to be our first time. There's going to be other, um, lessons to be learned and other experiences to be had. So Definitely. We may even partake in other uh, plant medicines while we're living in Peru. Um, I'm curious about San Pedro, but we need to discuss that a little further. However, uh, we do have a source now. Um, Flavio gave us a source, a really trusted shaman in Peru, in, near Iquitos, who's a native as well, and we're going to contact him and hopefully do another ayahuasca ceremony because there are a lot of things I would still like to get into. Now that I have my physical cleansing out of the way, I think that the next step is to be what it needs to be. But well, in the meantime, I will be bringing you more podcasts. We'll be um, hopefully getting some interviews. Um, we have some people that we're talking to and we'll try to get some stuff lined up. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this one. It was quite the lengthy one, but that's the only way we could give you the information that we could. 
Um, if you could, give us a like on Facebook at Soul and Wonder, Inc. Um, tell your friends and family to subscribe to our podcast. They can do that by going to our website at www.soulandwonder.com, clicking on the podcast section, and scrolling down. They can fill in their email, and they'll get a notification every time we get another episode out. And for those that are looking for the health tip, you can find that on our Facebook page. Um, that will be released, and so you can find that. And I know we're running over time, so um, just want you to know that. All right. Ciao. Ciao.